read you something if I can to start, and then we'll pray. I do not mean to diminish how anyone feels about anything at the moment, but heaven's perspective is important. Yeah? Yeah, I agree. When we woke up this morning, someone sent me this, and I wanted to read it to you. God is still God. Jesus is still building the church, and the gospel continues to advance in nations that have never had elections. Just a thought. There are many nations like that, and the gospel is unchanged by their process. Presidents and senators and governors, I do not mean this without respect, but every time the Bible three times in Scripture, it asks a question that is similar to, what is my life? And it has the same answer every time. It's brief, or it's a vapor. Presidents, senators, and governors are but vapors and mist and minor footnotes in history, but Jesus is King of kings, Lord of lords for all eternity, and my hope is still in the cross of Jesus Christ. No matter how people respond in the next few days, God will continue to offer the free gift of salvation, not through a victorious man or president, but through his sacrificial son. Heaven's perspective. And he will continue to offer peace if we can receive it. Amen? There's going to be a picture of an iceberg that comes up behind me. It's the reason we, many of us have probably seen that picture. I don't even know if it's real or fake, to be honest. But it's, can I move this? Sorry. It's great for what I want to, it's a great example. About 80 to 90% of an iceberg is underneath the water surface, Yeah. And it's interesting, one of the ways they learned this was they saw an iceberg moving steadily into hurricane winds, directly into it, unmoved. And they said, how does it do that? Because the deep underwater currents were going that way. And 80 to 90% of its mass is being pushed by underwater currents that are unaffected by what goes on on the surface. This is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's not how much of the Bible you know, although that's good. It's not how much you serve in any church, political organization, cause, nonprofit, although that's good. It's none of those things. It's no seat or title that you may occupy, authority that you may have, although that's good. None of those are the underwater current of what can steadily head into any storm without being affected. That is the fellowship of the personal fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And those people, and they, you can see them, they are marked by peace, regardless. Amen? Amen. All right. Okay. Now, God is... I bought a water bottle today that's a bit noisy to drink. So, lesson learned... Don't bring that one. God has placed it on our hearts here at FLC to build a culture of people that know God. And I say that a lot, and I'm going to continue to say it, because it's what Jesus defined as eternal life. Eternal life is to know God. Many people in the world or young believers, they think eternal life is about going to heaven and living forever. Jesus said it's to know God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. And so we have purpose in our heart while God has given us this vision in a sense to build a culture of people, not a person, of people that genuinely know God. 
It is why Christ came. To actually know him, to know his voice, to know his heart, to know his values. But not just behavior. You know, and I don't mean to be offensive. I know morality is important. But it, it's the end, it's not the means. I'm not saying immorality is good. But what I am saying is God's people on the earth were the only people in the old covenant that had the moral law written down. The Old Testament law. And by the time Jesus got here, the Pharisees were the most moral people, in a sense, outwardly on the face of the earth. And they couldn't see Jesus. Hello? Heart change. Heart change. And that comes from fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So, can we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are God, God, the Holy Spirit. We bless you. We bless you. And we yield to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm not sure how far I'm going to get today. If you could open your Bible to the book of Acts. We've been in a series on Acts and Origins. I trust it's been helpful to you. We've been looking at it as if we were on the ground as if we were them, how would have things been for them? And uh, you know, it's very helpful because it offers a lot of revelation to see it that way. It really, really does. We, we, we constantly hear, along for the church of the book of Acts, well, it helps to be convinced and convicted as they were convinced and convicted. Unless we understand some of what they understood, you will find it to be difficult. And so, Acts and Origins, I think we're on week five. The New Testament life is the life of the Spirit. Zechariah prophesied that. There's something coming that is not by might nor by power, and that's not the power or the might of the Spirit. That's military might or the strength of one's arm, my discipline. I can pick myself up. You've never seen a drowning person save themselves with their free arm. You've never seen, don't worry, I will lift myself. That's silly. And that's how people think when it comes to eternity. I can be good enough, I can, it's not like that. It's not like that. Not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit. Pointing to the New Testament covenant is a life of the Spirit. Everything is of the Spirit. Everything, 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 everything. The way they appointed leaders in the New Covenant wouldn't work in most, in the New Testament, wouldn't work in a lot of churches today. They appointed Paul and Barnabas. They prayed, they fasted, then they said they appointed. They said it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. It seemed good to us and it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. Well, how did they know that relationship? Everything is a life of the Spirit. And let me say this. Goodness, we're, we're, it's going to be interesting today. I'm hearing this for the first time too. <laughs> I heard someone say that. I thought it was very funny. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is not shaking, laughing, falling, crying, weeping, rolling, whatever. Those will happen when it's genuine. Those will happen when He touches you. But that's not who He is. He is secure and stable and powerful and the same and unchanging. 
But when he touches you, God on flesh, flesh doesn't know what to do. But he is not those things, but those will happen, and those don't bug me at all. But who he is, is separate. All right, so let's read the Bible. Let's go to Acts 2, please, verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, that's an era, that's what we're in now, this time, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my manservants and on my maidservants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Please go to John chapter 14. We are in the last days, and these are the days of the spirit of God. In John 13, 14, John 13 to 17, we have something which many people call the farewell discourse. It's the last time that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he went to the cross, and it's the greatest teaching on the Holy Spirit you will ever find. And so for us, I know we're in Acts and Origins, but for them there was two or three days different between this and the book of Acts. In our minds, they're two separate books and we don't read them together. For them, it was all one week. Yeah? So they go together. So I would encourage you, go read Acts 13 to 17. Study it. I've been studying that portion. I learned from it. It's probably one of my favorite parts of the Bible. So John 14, we're gonna, John, it's from John 13, 31 to John 17. But let's go to John 14, verse 15. He says this, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray, that word pray is like ask, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is the first time that Jesus starts to speak about what's going to happen, and he uses the word another, which I'll explain. We've said it many times. That word another means another of the same sort. And I'm going to read it again. I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. He will give you a helper that will be to you like I am to you. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. That when I first understood that. It really struck me. It really impacted me. Jesus said you know him. You know him already. <laughs> How well do you know the Holy Spirit? We try separated in our minds and we get confused. The young believers I've been asked, do I pray to the Father or do I pray to this one or do I pray to this one? There's a lady in this church, I think it's the awesome. She says, I just say y'all. <laughs> it's great. It's awesome. The heart is great, it's just wonderful. But he says, but you know him, right? You know him. And so this verse, last week we looked at Jesus, our Jubilee. We really, it was one word, Pentecost, the whole week. These three words, you know him. That's what we're going to look at today. How, how well do you know the Holy Spirit? 
we are going to go through some things today, and the tears. It, it, gets, it's, it goes, this leads to that, leads to that. Please don't box God, though. Sometimes in teaching or preaching, we have to put things in a way that they can be understood. But that teaching or the, the, the message, God is not boxed in that. Ever. Ever. It's a relationship. It's like trying to teach on marriage and say, this is how marriage is. Well, it's a relationship. It just doesn't work like that. But we have to put it in such a way that can be understood. These three words, you know him, have changed my whole life. (laughs) Because he desires to know you and for you to know him. So, firstly it says, we're going to break it down. The world cannot receive him. You know that word, cannot, is, you know the Greek word for power, dunamis. Who knows that word? You've heard of it before. You know what that word means? U dunamai lambano. It means has no power. The world has no power to receive him. Why? Well, Jesus answers the question. He says, for it neither sees him nor knows him. It neither sees him. We walk by faith, not by sight. It neither, it also spiritually can perceive him. Why? Unregenerated spirit then cannot discern spiritual things. It neither sees him nor knows him. That word know, as you've heard before, is the Jewish idiom for intercourse. It's a very intimate, Adam knew Eve and she conceived. It's very intimate. Jesus says, Jesus speaking, Son of God, the world cannot, has no power, who power do not, has no power to receive him because it cannot see him, nor does they, nor do they know him. Then he says, but you know him. Speaking to the disciples before that you know him. Then he tells us why. And this is what we're going to spend the next couple of weeks on. You know him. Why? For he dwells with you. Can we say that? For he dwells with you and will be in you. So you know him. Why? For he dwells with you and will be in, with, and will be in you. Coming to understand these two things, just these two basic expressions of knowing the Holy Spirit will transform a person. They have transformed me. Years ago, I started to see this and God just opened it to me. And all I'm trying to do today is to try and share that with you to the best of my ability. You know him. Why? For he dwells with you and he will be in you. Now, this was very, very, very real to them in the book of Acts. How did they know the Holy Spirit before Acts chapter 2? Well, in various ways. Firstly, they knew him from their history as Israel, just as God's people. They knew him from them being around or being with Jesus. And they knew him, which I'm not going to get into today, they knew him from the experience of the anointing that Christ had given to them when the Holy Spirit ministered through them. Even the demons submit to us in your name. The Bible says in 1 John 2 that the anointing, the word anointing means to smear. They were smeared with the Holy Spirit, like peanut butter. Right? If you do that, you would be anointed with peanut butter. Okay? That's really what it is. They were smeared with the Holy Spirit. When they ministered, because Jesus gave them power and authority over demons, 
They ministered, they experienced the anointing that was instructing their spirit. When I've, by the grace of God, ministered before and seen God just do amazing things, we know it's not by us. In those moments, I'm being taught something. You learn. The anointing, the Bible says, teaches you. When God flows through you, you actually learn how he thinks, how he works. But I'm not speaking about that today. We'll get to that soon. How did they know the Holy Spirit? For he dwells with you. Why? From their history and from them being with Jesus. Now, it's the same with us. You can know him this way. In the history of Israel, we see the cloud, the fire, the pillar of smoke. We see the fire that came from heaven at the temple or with Elijah. They had an entire history. They had the tabernacle with the most holy place, with the presence of God. They had a history with the presence of God. They had experienced it. They could go to the temple at any time. Go to the temple, that's where God lives. Really, that's how it was. Go to the temple, experience the presence of God. They had experience with the Holy Spirit. Yet, it's the same for you today. You can go to a church if the Holy Spirit is honored, valued, the presence of God, if, if he's actually allowed to be in charge. And you can experience the corporate sense of God's presence. Yeah? The longer you experience that environment, if I can say that, the longer you are in there, you actually come to know the Holy Spirit in the corporate sense. Who knows what I'm talking about? Yeah. And you know, then you can go through a very long season, a dry season, and then, you know, do silly things or whatever, and then you, I need to, and you go to some conference or another church or something, and the presence of God is there, and you remember it instantly. You're like, oh, I forgot. You know that, you know that place in your heart. You know that presence. That's the corporate presence of God. It's the difference between the spirit in a person, the spirit on a person for ministry, versus that's the most powerful expression. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit among you. Treasured and valued in a group. You can know the Holy Spirit in the same way. You can get to know him that way. And if you're in that environment frequently, like you say, like I say, it's, you come to know it. You come to understand it. You come to perceive it faster. You come to be sensitive to it. And it is my singular focus, the presence of God. It's my singular focus, just his presence. Because without his presence, you can't even really surrender. It's the presence of God. Secondly, you can know, they knew him. How do you they know? They knew him through them being around Jesus Christ. Christ means the anointed one. A person can come to know the Holy Spirit through being around anointed people. Now, I don't, there's no anointed people like Jesus, okay? Hello? Very different. But there are anointed men and women, people that walk with God. And when you're around them, you can tell. Yeah? Never make heroes. Never make heroes out of people. We are all the same. Jesus is the head of the church, no man. But through being around anointed people, you come to know something of the Holy Spirit. Yeah? It's the same. The presence of God on a person. It's a person who has yielded their will to his will. And they walk by the Spirit. They walk with the Lord. 
They are with him. They know him. You speak to them, and you can sense it. When people went, when they went to arrest Jesus, imagine they sent officers to arrest Jesus, and they came back empty-handed. They went and saw him and left. And they had weapons, and they said, well, where's Jesus? They said, never a man spoke like that man. Authority. So they left. You get to know the Holy Spirit's presence through other people that he rests on powerfully. And they're not special. He can rest on you the same way. Yeah? You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, so that's the first one. He dwells with you. Then, this one we're going to talk about today, by the grace of God. You know him, for he dwells with you, but he will be in you. This is the game changer. This is, changes everything. He will be in you. He wasn't in them yet. He will be in you. You will know him differently then than you know him now, even though now you know him. You know him now. You've seen him move through you. You've seen him around me, Jesus said. You've seen him in your history. You know him, but he's coming to live inside you. And this changes everything, everything. Now, for them, how did they understand this? It had to be explained a certain way as being a temple. Who knows the scripture? We are the temple of God. Yeah? Now, if you grew up in church, you heard that a lot. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple. And it becomes cliche. It had to be explained to them that he's coming to live in you well, how? Uh, okay, uh, like a temple. Why? Because they went to temple. That's where God lived. Yeah, God lived there. And you know what happened in Ezekiel's day? They tried to control God. Prophets were warning, saying there's something coming to Jerusalem. Be careful. They said, don't worry. We don't have to do anything. God's there. God lives in there, and we'll tell him what to do. It's like they ignored the Lord because they thought, they could use his presence. They were like, well, God's there. So the Holy Spirit left the temple. <sighs> Goodbye. That's what happened. You're not in charge. I'm in charge. So I'm leaving. <laughs> Paraphrasing a whole book. <laughs> okay? And he leaves the temple. And you know what he says when he leaves? When I come back, I'm coming for the heart. That's what he said. And he comes back in Acts chapter 2. What happens? says their hearts were cut. Their hearts melted within them. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. So he says, he's coming to live in. You know him now, for he's with you, but he will be in you. How? You will be his temple. Now there's different expressions. We've already covered two of them. First, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Different expressions. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? You know that you is plural. That is talking about the local church. I don't have time to get into all the Greek and... That's what it's talking about. It's talking about this. It's what I've already talked. The presence of God among you. The Holy Spirit is in your midst, among you. It says, you are the temple. Wherever a whole bunch of people are that are believers, this is this, the Spirit of God in your midst, among you, very powerful in your midst. That's one expression. That's what it means there. And I'll read you something out of a commentary. I forgot to put it behind there are two words, temple, for temple in the New Testament. One refers to the temple building and all its courts and walls, and it's the whole thing, okay? The other refers to the building, but more specifically to the most holy place, 
where the presence of God dwells. It's this term that Paul uses to describe the temple when speaking of the local church, which is why here at this church, we build around the presence of God. It is the term Paul used in Scripture. The temple, he was speaking specifically about the presence of God in the most holy place. It says in the, Old Te- in the Old Testament, they encamped around the presence of God. Their whole camp was built around the tabernacle. Everything focused around God's presence. Everything. So one expression of the temple was they, you don't have to go to Jerusalem. They used to make great treks and journeys into Jerusalem. So no, 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 anywhere where there's people because he'll be in you. There's the temple expression there. The presence of God in your midst. We've talked about that. That's a person can come to know the Holy Spirit through the presence of God among you. That's one expression of the temple. Second, the universal church, which I won't get into. Ephesians 2 talks about the temple of the body of Christ in the earth. That's the presence of God in the earth. Okay? Thirdly, 1 Corinthians 6.19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own. Imagine if I built a little, you know, like a stage prop, like a little plywood temple that I could put my head through and there was a roof and walls. Okay, I should build one. That's what it's like. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yahweh, God, Jehovah, His Spirit lives inside you. That is individual. He said, the spirit of truth, the world cannot receive, John 14, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, but he will be in you as the temple. Yes, he dwells with you, the temple corporate, the temple of the world, in a sense, the church in the world but he's coming to dwell in you, which makes you individual, a temple of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's very different. Very, very different. They had not come to know the Holy Spirit that way. And what does it say? The world has no power. Udunumai Lambana, the world has no power to receive him because it doesn't know him, but you know him. Part of knowing the Holy Spirit is receiving him. So I could ask you, have you received the Holy Spirit? You guys tracking with me? Have you received the Holy Spirit? People would say, yeah, I have. I'm saved. I gave my life to Jesus. My sins are forgiven. I'm a Christian. I've received the Holy Spirit because you can't be a Christian without the Holy Spirit inside you. Absolutely true. Or people would say, well, no, I've received the Holy Spirit because I have something of what I consider to be like an evidence, which is maybe tongues, and we get very boxed with that, and so I've received the Holy Spirit because of that. But can I say that you have not yet received Him fully? Definitely saved, but not yet received Him fully. If I have a guest that comes to my home I receive him as a guest, and he stays in the guest room. He stays in my home, yeah? But if a king 
the king comes to my home. Now have a choice. I can either receive him as a guest or I can receive him as a king. If I receive him as a king, the home belongs to him. Jesus said, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? What does it end with? For you are not your own. Hmm. Interesting. Receiving him fully. The Holy Spirit comes as God, as the Spirit of God. We are his temple, and I often ask myself, do I add him to my life, or does he own it? That's not to cause a legalistic, it's not about being perfect all the time, never making a mistake. No, that's the, old, that's the law. Hello? It's walking with him because he owns the temple. It's his temple. It's no longer mine. And I've come to understand that he is not fully received until he has taken his place of ministry inside me. Not how he ministers through me to others. That's the Holy Spirit upon a person for other people. Not how he ministers through for others. Not the sense of the presence of God in a place that honors and values the presence of God. But his ministry in my own heart, he has a ministry to you. Not through you, yes, we all know that. But he also has a ministry to you. And that, when we come to understand what that is, we begin to receive him differently. So I want to explain a little bit of that. Have you guys followed? The Holy Spirit's ministry within, <laughs> with our wonderful time that we have. Can I quickly read some scriptures? John 14. We're going to read four or five passages quick. This is every time Jesus speaks about who he was. John 14 in this farewell discourse. We read it already. John 14 verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father. He will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Go to verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. In other words, I'm here. But now, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you some things. No, all things. He'll teach you a little bit here and there. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 15 verse 26, if I can find it. But when the helper comes, now he's talking about the world will hate you and there will be persecutions. And he says, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father. It's the Spirit of God. He will testify of me. 
and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Do you see how it all ties? Amazing when you see it. John 16, go to verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. Now, the Holy Spirit's ministry within us. How well do we know the ministry, the personal inner ministry of the Holy Spirit? Not ministry through, not gifts and anointing. Inside, ministering to me. Ministering. He is ministering as a helper within me. And it's very important because it's, well, let me go through this. I'll throw it up behind us, I think. He will be your helper, your comforter, your counselor, your divine encourager. Those are all the the Greek meanings of the word helper. I like the divine encourager. He will be to us everything Jesus was. He says, I will send to you another helper, another, another of the same sort. So people get confused. Is it Jesus or the Holy Spirit? No, no. He's saying, listen, guys, as I've been your teacher, your helper, I've provided anointing. I gave you power. I did this. I taught you everything. He will come and be the same to you. I'm leaving. He will be that. He is that to you, as if Jesus was here in the flesh. He will be our teacher. It says he will teach you. He is our aid or assistant. Some people get offended when I say that. That is literally out of the commentary. He is our aid or assistant, but not as an aid or assistant that we command. He is an aid or assistant to us, but he's not under our command. So, example one. Because the Holy Spirit will not teach you as like this, as in a classroom. Mm Mm-mm. He teaches you from within, through both knowledge, through study, through revelation, through illumination, through supernatural encounters, through, he will teach you in various ways. So if I said to you, let's talk, let's use an example, loneliness, anxiety, depression. Many people struggle, loneliness and anxiety. So we say, all right, well, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, he's the comforter. Well, how does he comfort? What are the marks or the evidences that he comforts? How do I know? Is it me? Is it my... How does he comfort? Well, I've come to understand <laughs> that it's different than often what we think. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. So let's say loneliness, anxiety, and depression, right? So we pray, Holy Spirit, please come comfort me. And we kind of wait for, I guess you could call it, the feeling to go away, like a spiritual sedative. But the Holy Spirit does not come to manipulate your feelings. Please hear what I'm saying to you. Please. He does not come to manipulate your feelings that way. Not in a bad sense, but in a way to give you temporary something and remove something, some feeling or but then the very next issue that comes around the corner, that goes and we're back where we started. (laughs) Does he touch people powerfully? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Does he set them free if it's a demonic spirit? Yes, of course, all those things. But his ministry within, he will bring you to truth. 
when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. It's not just, Lord, Holy Spirit, take the feeling away. No, I will put truth inside you that will change the way you think so freedom will remain. Because what does truth do? Truth sets at liberty. Very important. (laughs) The Holy Spirit will put truth. He has the truth. He will teach us to take truth and to overwhelm how we feel. Doesn't mean he's not interested in emotion. No, wait till the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll know emotion. (laughs) But I'm saying he will bring us to truth. He will bring us to truth. He will lead you. He will press you to truth, to truth, to truth, to truth. And not just understanding it. When does truth set you free? When you know it, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But I can study it and I know it. But when does it? When you use it. When you use it. It's like I can send my car, I've said this so many times, to a guy who studied in college every textbook on Fords. I don't even have a Ford. Just, And I can send my car to him or I can send my guy to who's worked in a shop for 10 years. I'm sending my, guy, my car to this guy. Because he's used it. And he knows, maybe not all the answers in the book, but he knows what to do. That's what truth is like. You can know the truth, but do you know it experientially? Do you use it? People say, well, he's my father. Okay, then say it. When the Holy Spirit, when the enemy comes and you're this and you're that, say what is true. I feel that, but actually it's, this is truth, this is truth. Use it, and it will set you free. And that is part of how the Holy Spirit will comfort and minister to you. It puts truth inside of you. David spoke of truth as a stronghold, as like a physical stronghold, like a castle in battle, where you can run into when there's a battle on the outside and find rest, although the battle rages. The Bible actually teaches to set up strongholds in your mind. To think like Christ, when the enemy comes, there's an entire stronghold of truth that I can run into, and the iceberg moves directly into wind, unaffected. Truth. And if you set that in your heart, in your life, the Holy Spirit has this ministry inside you, and he's going, truth, truth, truth. And we go, shh, don't, shh, be quiet, shh. So we just pray, take it away, Jesus, take it away. He says, look at the truth and use it. He will bring us to truth. That is the first one of the major ministries of the Holy Spirit. Why why are we doing this? To know him the way he is within us. To come to know the Holy Spirit. We have to understand his ministry and begin to receive and partner with what he's doing inside of us. He will illuminate this to you. He will make it come alive to you. He will speak to you. He will reveal truth to you in any manner of ways. He will bring to remembrance something he's already said. He will also take a truth you know, or what we think we know, and take you deeper into it. For example, lordship. 
begin to speak about this, and then we'll be done. The Holy Spirit will bring you to truth. Why? For liberation, for freedom, and for lordship. For lordship. Give an example. The Holy Spirit, this is here in 2 Corinthians 3. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. We know it. Now the, where the Spirit, sorry. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the? There is? Freedom, liberty. The Greek says where there is great lordship, there is much freedom. See, we have to understand he will bring truth to us for freedom, for liberty. He will bring liberation through truth. He will also bring us to lordship. Why? Because it is also liberation. It will set you free. Think about this. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee for you. James 4, 7. My mother put that on my wall when I was growing up, probably because I was naughty. <laughs> Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. I learned something because it was on my wall for 10 years. That the fleeing of the devil, the resisting is in the submission, not in the fighting the devil. <laughs> Lordship leads to liberty. It's how salvation happens. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Savior. No, that he is Lord. And then he saves you. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that he is Lord. And you get set free from death, the penalty of death, from the sin, the master of sin, from eternal punishment, from lordship. Hello? We still friends? That's just an example. The Holy Spirit will bring a truth to you when you get saved. Oh, Lordship, Jesus is Lord, sure. But he will take you deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into that same truth. That's his ministry inside. Why? Because you get freer and freer and freer and freer. And the Holy Spirit starts to rest upon you for others, and you can notice it. <laughs> Some people, no, mm -mm. no, <laughs> yeah, the Holy Spirit, friends, he desires to bring us to truth, to bring us to truth. The Bible says in Romans 8, the Holy Spirit is the searcher of men's hearts, and if you grow up in the church or in some form of religion, you think, oh, he's searching my heart to catch me out. It never says that. He is, he is the searcher of the hearts. The Bible says that. He searches the hearts. What does he look for? <laughs> Do we know? What is his ministry? What is he looking for? He's looking for a heart that will obey. Why? Why? It's how he operates. John 16, we read it. Whenever, however, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. 
the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit's ministry in you. He speaks what he hears. Jesus said, he will take of what is mine and he will speak to you. He will not just do whatever. He will, he will not speak on his own authority. The Holy Spirit is the searcher of the hearts. He looks for a heart that matches the way he thinks. Hello? He looks for a heart that understands that, that matches the way he thinks, that knows he's not trying to catch me out. He's not trying to find a way to trip me up. He's not trying to make me jump through hoops. He longs, please hear me, he longs for a vessel that he can flow through with power. He is the person of power. He longs for it. (laughs) He longs for it. I believe he remembers. I mean, I know he does what it was like to flow through Christ incarnate. The Bible says of the Holy Spirit without measure, because Jesus on the earth, as a man filled with the Spirit, thought like that. What did Jesus say? I have not come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. What did Jesus say? I do not speak on my own authority. Whatever the Father says, I say. What does the Holy Spirit say? He will not speak on his own authority. They match. And he could flow through with power, unlimited power. Because of he understood the ministry the Holy Spirit has inside. (laughs) And power flows. Not because of an experience I've had. Because I've received him. For liberation and for lordship. That's why in the book of Acts, as we've seen, what does the book of Acts mean when it says filled with the Spirit? It's about speaking. I will not speak on my own authority. The words I speak are not mine. He will take of what is mine and he will declare it to you. Receiving his ministry and you become filled with the Holy Spirit and you speak and there's authority in it and power flows because I've understood his ministry inside, not an experience. (laughs) He is the spirit of truth, and he will bring us to truth. Let's read it to end. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. (laughs) For he dwells with you, and he will be in you. I know the Holy Spirit because he is with us. But the Holy Spirit longs for people that don't have to wait for how he rests on someone else or how he rests in a meeting, but how he is with you. His ministry in you in you. And I learned to receive him fully by understanding his ministry. I hope that helps you. Next week, just read it to you. The Holy Spirit in you, firstly, will bring you to truth. We covered one point this week. I think we did a good job. (laughs) He will teach Jesus to you. You know that? He will teach Christ to you. 
He will teach you sonship. He will wage war against the flesh, and he will teach you how to communicate with God. That is what Jesus said the ministry of the Holy Spirit within you will look like. How he comes through you, that's separate. That's the anointing, instructing you and teaching you. But his ministry inside is the most precious thing you'll ever know. Because that's how you come to know God. That's the undercurrent of the spirit and the storms raging. And how does this person have such peace? How they seem, they know him here. Inside. Can we stand? Holy Spirit, I thank you. I thank you that your word says that there's a river inside of us that flows. <laughs> that there's a river that can flow from within. I thank you for your presence in our midst. I thank you that you are among us. Truly, I thank you. I thank you for even last week, just that amazing presence and worship. I thank you for the testimonies. And I thank you that you are inside and we are your temple. Help us, Holy Spirit, to continue without legalism, without guilt, to receive your ministry to us individually. Just take a moment if you can. Just close your eyes if you're comfortable. Just a single moment. Just speak to him. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We bless you. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.